Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Roost Podcast. As always, I am Carter Spires, here with my co-host, Matthew Bartlett, the director and managing editor of The Roost, your premier source for Rice Sports news and analysis. The Roost Podcast is a member of the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Republic of Football Podcast Network. That's a 8.5. Yeah, not as smooth as last time, but but it's... You know what? We're 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 still we're still working on it. Still working on the kinks, but it's uh, yeah, we're feeling good about it. We're having a good time, if nothing else. It, 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 you know, as we get back through, you know, behind the scenes podcasting stuff, we we take our break in the, you know, springish kind of get through recruiting season, and then like May we start like okay, we got to get back in the cycle. Now when is kind of when I feel like we're hitting our sweet spot, and uh, we got the the schedule is worked out. We know who's coming on. And we can hit on, you know, miscellaneous topics that we say are, you know, connected. This is air quotes to college football, but we can kind <laughs> of uh, ramble a little bit. Uh, poetic license, whatever the equivalent of that is for a podcaster. Yeah, just um, I don't know when you're when you're when your your tangents, your segues all feel natural. Like you're just you're just you're. Uh, Getting all the side topics out, and uh, you know, make you make you look like you've got a lot more planned than you actually do. I guess is when you're really feeling it. Yeah, our our show notes are copious and copious pages that are extremely scripted. detailed. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> scripted by the the minute or second. I don't know if we've ever gotten quite that detailed. Maybe maybe not. Uh, what is in our show notes right now? Uh, not terribly much. Uh, first plug our our good friends at home field apparel they are they got new stuff dropping i guess the these couple weeks during the summer uh, i saw some new a&m gear that's getting posted and i think they had oh man it was it was a school that i'd never heard of that i had just seen that they were putting out and those are the kind of shirts that i want to purchase because i'm sure they are great and they're good conversation topics yeah, I yeah. I love these the new hoodies they've been putting out with the uh, like obviously you know it's it's the middle of June right now so uh, everyone's you know especially in Houston is really thinking about how they can wear their hoodies um, but they've been putting out these hoodies that are like solid color with the uh, with script logos on them like the I'm already coveting the Alabama one for for next fall but like there's a Yukon one that just popped up when I open the home page like ugh, they're so clean i feel like the nebraska ones that i saw i, I feel like they're kind you just slap like any generic texan on there and we would be kindred spirits there's some yeah. good stuff on there you go to home field homefieldapparel.com use the code roost if you've heard it before and you're like i should do that you can actually pause this podcast in whatever app you're playing with it's a cool feature that they have pause it <laughs> go go put it in um, you take it off like double time or 1.5 speed or whatever you listen. What speed do you listen to you, your podcast on Carter? Are you... Um, the, I usually have, I think the, the next speed up from standard on, on Spotify is 1.2. I'm, I'm usually yeah. with that one. I, a lot of people do it higher, but I can't, I, I, I'm a podcast multitasker. Like I put on podcasts to like help me do other like sort of tasks that are brainless, but that require me to actually like, you know, put in the motivation to get going on them. Yeah. So I semi-focused. Yeah. I need to be able to like operate on two different kind of wavelengths. And if it's, if it's any faster than like 1.2 or so, then I just, I, will zone out for half a second and miss a whole bunch of stuff. And I am not the type I like, I can't let go. If I suddenly like realize I haven't been paying attention for 30 seconds, I have to go back and re-listen to it. So I, I can't do like two times. Also at some point I, you know, or at some level I want to like hear people's voices and like, you know, get into the banter of it and all that sort of thing. Like I don't want to listen to a bunch of people just like chipmunking at me. Like, yeah, I'm I'm a kindred spirits here. I'm I'm one point one five on platforms that do allow it like Audible or an audiobook or something like that. But one point two everywhere else. And I can't go beyond one point two. Every all you people who are on two or two and a half, you are crazy. 
even yeah, if you're just, listening to us at two thank you for listening please turn us slower <laughs> like i i guess i respect the hustle of it but i i i don't i don't really know what you're getting out of it at that speed like i'm i don't know we'll Maybe see that's is, a different yeah, podcast anyway. <laughs> anyway, uh, go to Home Field Apparel. Use the code Roos, fifteen percent off your favorite team's hopefully Rice uh, logo or T-shirt or whatever they have on there now. Their hats, I think, are coming. No Rice hat yet, but Home Field, get on it uh, yeah. with the little Sailor Al, please. They're all good. They're comfy. Oh, that'd be so good. We love them. We're all in. You should go get some and then, or send them to us, or send us a picture of you and whatever apparel you have chosen. <laughs> Father's Day challenge, even if you're not a father, but you probably have one. So go do it. All right. And we're here now with Hunter Bailey of the Charlotte Observer talking all things uh, Charlotte 49ers football. How's it going, man? Doing pretty good, man. Appreciate you guys having me on. As uh, you know, we were just chatting beforehand. It's been a fun mix of getting to know some new people and some returning faces. But even with some of the returning faces, we have, I don't know, a you know, shake up the uh, Rubik's Cube and start all over. It kind of feels like just doing my uh, brief research on Charlotte. Uh, do we got a whole new program, basically, starting from scratch again? What's going on over there? That's what it's that's what it's looking like, man. So they brought in Biff Pogey, program's third head coach. Uh, just a lot different than Will Healy. What I've been saying is the only similarity is the amount of letters in their name. Uh, we got 50. This is a good one. This yeah, is professional man. writing. We've we've got 50, 50 new faces on the roster. Uh, when you look at it, it's hard to find returnees right now. There's a lot of lot of new, uh, including quarterback, running back, receivers, the almost entirely new defense. It's a it's a new era of Charlotte football, guys, for sure. And. I know going into last season, there was a good, you know, cluster of guys were, were veteran players, especially on offense. Felt like the offense was all guys who had been there. Well, uh, that's not true. Uh, every linebacker, right, was like a seven year starter at that point. So it was always kind of felt like this was going to be a year where things had to reboot a little bit. But uh, did you think ever envision it being quite this drastic of a restart? When they hired Poji, it was kind of like, I didn't know who he was. First off, I sounded like a sandwich. You were not the first first person on the program that said that. Yeah. Uh, It was was very random. I didn't read. Like a week before, there was like a story on him in The Athletic, and I I just didn't even see it uh, when he was at Michigan. So when he took the job, I'm like, we'll see what's up. And then we go to the introductory press conference, and he – says all the right things you look at there's a documentary on hbo max called the cost of winning which focuses on his time at saint francis and then if you watch that you'll see on this team now six seven of the players featured on that show are now playing for the charlotte 49ers and it feels like a ton of kids prior to and following that show that went to saint francis are also on the team so they're they're making a, a serious effort to bring the DMV to Charlotte. And like I say, it's it's working. There's a lot of a lot of new folks. That's interesting. I think we've seen the other way of transfer changeovers where a coach will leave one college and go to another college and bring all the old players. I don't think we've quite had a college coach bring a whole high school with him. Yeah. That seems new. <laughs> it is it's unique and there's I mean, there's kids transferring in from Power 5 programs across the nation to play football for this guy. So, as I kind of said to you offline, we haven't gotten too, too much face-to-face interaction, but Biff Poggi seems to be a man of the people so far, and they keep on coming back to play for him. So, at least at least in the recruiting aspect, it's off to a good start. And what's your feel on him? Yeah, you mentioned the introductory press conference, but... I, there is no one like Will Healy. You know that better than anybody. Me having just, uh, what, four or five odd conversations with the man uh, is none, not like any other coach that I've ever uh, gotten to chat with. So obviously this has got to be a bit of a culture shock 
uh, for you just on the media coverage side, but the the program as a whole, you know, hard to say. We we have, we have like spring ball and that's it. But but is the is the tenor different? Do things feel a little different? Like what's kind of the new? If if Healy was the you know young bright guy who's going to bring some fire, what what is the the pogey Forty ers Yeah, I mean we're talking about this thirty seven year old up and coming young dad. Um, he's got got a couple youngins, and every practice music's way up. He's running around goofing off, making jokes, cutting up at the press conferences to a sixty year old multi millionaire hedge fund manager that really could be living on the beach somewhere, but he decided to coach Charlotte football. And so you, he, he's talked a lot about being a transformational coach. And I, I don't think it's necessarily a jab at Healy. I think Healy, when he got on the scene, the expectations were high. There were so many comparisons to Dabo and PJ Fleck. Uh, but with Poji, like I say, it's just, he knows these guys and he loves doing this. He wants to give the players the opportunity to Maybe if they were out of Power 5 and they weren't seeing a lot of action, they can come to Charlotte and take that next step in their careers, get them to where they want to be. Um, he's anytime, anytime I've seen him, he's about his business. What, what I've been told, at least so far, is the practices are much longer, much more intense. Uh, so, I mean, I feel like that comes with the territory, too. You have to kind of put your foot in the ground and say, hey, I'm not sure what you guys were used to in the past, but this is this is it now. And a lot of the returnees, like that's where that information comes from. And we'll kind of see how they, they gel together uh, with a brand new staff. Like I say, I haven't gotten to necessarily get to know a ton of them yet. But it's uh, the players, the new players and some of the returning players that I have talked to, energy is high. And they one of the best, best things I've heard so far is uh, from Darrell Robinson, the four-star running back, the number one running back from Maryland that committed – he said, this is the best defensive line I've ever played against. And he said, it's the best I'll play against this season. At least that's what he believes. And they got they got some big games at Florida, at Maryland. So that's we'll see how that holds up. But, I, I mean, there is some excitement. And it's it's fun to see compared to the three and nine that we dealt with a year ago. That was rough. We joke a lot about how programs will, uh, I guess, overcorrect is sort of a judgment you have to make in uh afterwards but it's it's hilarious how often they actually do the you go from one archetype of coach in this case the like young up and coming you know excitable coordinator type to the old experienced veteran it's hilarious how much that that actually seems to happen yeah it's one of those things where it's uh with this i think i think no matter how you slice it like we asked Mike Hill that during the like post full Healy press conference. All right, are you going to take a swing and go completely the other way? And he said, no, you know, we don't need to do that. And then they proceeded to do exactly that. Um, <laughs> they, and you, you never know what you're going to get, right? Like I say, I mean, I wrote a candidates list. I felt decent about it. And like I say, the guy that they hired, I'd literally never even heard of. And that's, that's part of the fun that's college football. And I think Pogey, I mean, Pogey being a very successful high school coach in Baltimore for so long, this is his first head coaching experience at the collegiate level. So I think, I think it comes with a learning curve. There's so many things that you don't even know that you don't know at this level. And then obviously the transfer portal, NIL, the collective aspect of it, there's so much that's going to go into this now. And I think, I think he started off learning on the fly a little bit, but he also was associate head coach at Michigan under Jim Harbaugh. So he saw the way the program was supposed to be run, but he wasn't actually doing it himself. But now he's got his guys here in Charlotte and a lot of familiar faces, some of which are from Michigan. And the biggest name probably is Yabi Oki. He's a five-star defensive end, started his career at Alabama, went to Michigan. Wow. Now he's in Charlotte, like when – it's it's interesting, right? And that's someone we haven't even gotten to see play yet. He didn't participate in the spring game, so I don't know what we're gonna get with him. But it's uh, it's a lot different. And like so far, like I say, I haven't got to watch a ton of practice. The only live reps I've seen were in the spring game. But they passed the eye test. Like these are some big dudes in comparison to prior years under Will Healy and then the end of the Brad Lambert era when I started covering this team for sure. 
And what's kind of just like the big picture, I guess from both sides, the the expectations from within the program and then from the fan base because when Will Healy came in, he was the young coach from Austin P, bringing a lot of winning, and he had the year one where they have that bang year and kind of surprise some folks and I guess kind of put maybe accelerated the timeline that he was supposed to be on. And then when he didn't hit that, it got old fast. What is kind of what is Charlotte supposed to be under under Pogi? Is this a a year zero? Does that not exist anymore with the portal? Do we got to get to a bowl game next year? Like, what what's the trajectory? I guess from what you see from them, and then where is the fan base at in this transition? Yeah, this is probably the most engaged that I've seen the fan base, and I think that comes from recruiting, and that's part of why he the Healy experiment or whatever you would like to call it failed. Um, he came in that first year, they're two and five. Uh, they get hot at the right time. Alex Atkins was a great offensive coordinator. He's now off at Florida State. He'll be a head coaching candidate here soon. They win five in a row, make the bowl game. There's a ton of excitement. You know, it's only up from here is what you're thinking about the program. COVID happens. They bounce right back from that. Beat Duke are off to such a hot start, and then it crumbles. And I think the real aspect of that was the lack of recruiting. His first year under Healy, they were – believe third in the conference after that we're talking 13th 14th deep in the bottom half of the conference usa um so with the with the fan base fan base being so engaged now i think that stems off of recruiting the guy that i mentioned earlier darrell robinson committed on espn he was a top 300 player i think it was at the all-america game and that's the first time anything like that's ever happened for charlotte so automatically there's more attention to the program as far as expectations go, Poji said this isn't a rebuild. This is a reload. Let's retool. And he wants to win now, and he's putting a lot of pressure on that. When, when, I mean, they play some big games this year. As I mentioned, they're playing at Florida, at Maryland. They got Navy coming to town. They got FAU in town. There's there's a lot of big games. The first American game is at SMU, and obviously. I believe Rice is on the schedule. I need to do my homework, guys. It's uh, I'm in full on full off season mode right now. But the uh, we're, the all, we're all in summer form at this point. We uh... yeah. <laughs> the, the expectation Se- second is the last game of the season, I believe, for both teams. Okay, the expectation is win the conference, and I I don't I personally don't think that's realistic in year one, just with so much. But I'm not going to be the guy that says no chance in hell and then watch them go like eight and four or something. Um, I think, I think the offense is going to need some work. I think the defense has a chance to be pretty good. Uh, but the biggest deal under Healy all those years was, it was just mix and match in the transfer portal. And then it really didn't work out. You saw them maybe get off to a strong start and then kind of crumble down the stretch. So with this whole new regime, I'll be interested to see, but I think they can win four to six games realistically uh, in year one. Well, so pa- so paint the picture. I guess we'll start with the offense because that's probably where I have the most questions because I watched a, I don't know, a not good Charlotte team that was not supposed to be very good drop like a hundred burger on Rice last year after they had <laughs> fired their head coach. Yeah. And... You know, fortunately, I guess for Rice, the the players who were the culprits in that situation are, are no longer there. Uh, Grant Debose, I believe, is off. He was like the second to third last draft pick or something. Mm-hmm. He's off in the NFL. Uh, Chris Reynolds has exhausted his forty seven years of eligibility. He's gone. Victor Tucker's gone. Uh, all the receivers are gone. The, the O line's gone. Who who is left and how does this offense score points? And then, you know, how different does it look with I get who who is going to be under center or in shotgun or whatever Pogi's yeah. going to do? <laughs> so what it looks like right now is Jalen Jones. Uh, he's a, another guy that played for Pogi in high school, started his career. He, he's been all over. He started at Florida, transferred to Jackson State, played for Deion Sanders, transferred to Bethune-Cookman. And now he's in Charlotte uh, with, I believe, a couple years of eligibility left. Um, He looked great in the spring game. I think he completed all of his passes. 
uh, made a couple really impressive throws. And a lot of it was extending the play, getting out of the pocket, and then making a throw on the run. Um, so what we saw in seven throws makes me think he's the guy. And then the other two that were in contention for the job both transferred out pretty quickly after the spring game. Since then, there's been a Oklahoma transfer in, Micah Bowens. Um, I'll be, I, like I say, I haven't seen his game yet, but we'll be interested to watch him sling the ball. Uh, but the offense, I think, is going to look a lot different. I mean, I think they put 51 or 56 on the board against Rice, and I think that was far and away the most points they scored last season. And then now this year, they're talking about winning games 17 to 3, 17 to 6. Uh, so I'll be. I'll be shocked. I think they're going to run the ball. I think they're going to bring all he keeps talking about is bring the Big Ten to Charlotte, uh, run the ball repeatedly. And so we'll see if they if they're winning games 17 to six after giving up what was like 42 points a game last year. I'll be very impressed. Uh, I don't know if you can make that jump. He mentioned them having a top 15 defense in college football after they were, I think, either dead last or second to last two of the past three years, uh, it would be an extreme jump. Uh, it would be a lot of fun to write a different story, you know? I mean, <laughs> it's been a couple <laughs> years. I will but. say, and I, I'm purposely not going to go look at his, like, positional background as far as coaching, but just, like, Poji's appearance and just his entire vibe screams O-line coach. Like, I don't know if he actually was, but that – that philosophy jives with just like the aura that the man seems to radiate. He, um, so he actually played offensive line. I believe it was a couple years at Pitt and then either a season or two at Duke. I could be wrong in that second part, but he actually blocked for Dan Marino back in the day. Um, so definitely okay. O-line, O-line background. Uh, he Nailed talks. It. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't perfect. hard. <laughs> yeah. It checks out. Uh, but yeah, run the ball. And we'll see what happens is what I get. He said literally in this introductory press conference, we're going to run the ball. We're going to run the ball. We're going to get after the quarterback. And then that's that. Um, and if they can do either of those things, it would be a gigantic flip from last year. So I'm interested at this point. <laughs> it's it's so funny. I just think back to the comment you made earlier. We don't have to completely reinvent the loop and go get the complete opposite. But what you're telling me is this is – this is the complete opposite. <laughs> In a lot of ways. <laughs> oh, man. And, and so it's interesting because, you know, we're going through and doing all these AAC introductions with people and and going through. And first we're asking them, can you name all 14 teams in the American? No. Yeah. <laughs> which is the common refrain that we're getting. And, and the second that we go down the list and we find that uh, – Charlotte is the one that slips in more more yeah. often than not. So where's the what has to to work? Maybe we flip over to the defense for a little bit if that's going to be the focus, but how does Charlotte get get there from your your perspective? Paint the picture cuz I I know the coaching staff is going to, you know, we got the culture and we got to believe and we got to recruit and we've heard that song and dance before, but like how do you how do, how do you see, can this program climb out of being projected at the bottom of the conference? I think so. I think one thing that I've kind of been standing by is I don't want to talk too, too much about the talent until I really get to watch it. And that's, that was part of the struggle with the spring game is they did a draft and they split the teams up. So it's, you don't really get to see everyone's individual talents. It's just kind of, or like how the units would, would fill together. It was just kind of like a mosh posh of different players. Uh, I think getting, getting to this point and getting a sense of respect and relevancy in the American is going to be, it's going to be on the defense. So I think you did great transition, man. Great transition. Uh, but it's going to have to 47th show or something like that. It's going to be, it's all, it's all on them, in my opinion. Uh, I think you watch college football now, and outside of, like, Iowa, there's a pretty good chance the team's going to score three or four touchdowns. Uh, so if your defense can 
come through and get some stops, force some turnovers, that's going to be that's going to make all the difference. And I think that starts up front. And Charlotte has not had a front four since 2019 that was respectable. As soon as Alex Highsmith graduated, they had Marquise Watts. Uh, I think he played out of position the most of his career. He should have been a linebacker, but he was their best option, so he was playing defensive end. But now you look, they've got Stone Handy. It's it's a lot of transfers. This guy started his career at Indiana, ends up at Charlotte. There's been a ton of buzz about him in the offseason. And they're also on the all-names team, man. They have a guy, Damon Clowney. He's related to Jadavion Clowney. It's spelled like demon. Uh <laughs> He comes in from Ole Miss. He's played for Lane this Kiffin. Is, this is a name I recognize. About yeah, to say, I, I was trying to I like to, to keep tabs on guys why. like that. I'm glad to know where 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 he ended up. Yeah, and I mean, he's he didn't do too much at Ole Miss, but conversations with him uh, during leading up to spring ball, he feels a lot better to be back with Poji. A lot more confidence. Feels like the staff kind of believes in him, and I'll be interested to see what comes of that. But this. Becoming relevant in this conference, I think, is going to start on the defensive side of the ball. They have to build some kind of reputation, and I think they got the coaching staff and so far at least the players on the way in to kind of build that because when you look at a lot of these teams in the American now, and I'll be real with you guys, I cannot name them all, but the schedule is tougher in my opinion, and you don't have as many like, all right, if you can just win this game, maybe you can turn the season around. There's a lot more a lot more challenges. And then they also are, like I said, playing a couple of big time road games. Uh, they actually have a prime time game this year on NBC, which is hilarious. Uh, they play Maryland in college park at 7 30 PM on NBC. Uh, it's like week three and going from playing on like conference USA TV and being Facebook. sports. Yeah. Facebook. I mean, we're talking stadium streams. I got to watch it on Twitch or something if I'm out of town. Uh, so now NBC, it's quite the switch for sure. Yeah, can I can I cop to something? Like I, of all of the terrible Conference USA media deals, I I personally didn't hate Facebook. Hey man, like, it's accessible at least to you everyone. knew where to find it. Yeah, well, you can forget. click on a link and it's on. Yeah, I will never forget. Uh, like during my bachelor party in September of 2018, trying to get the stadium app to work at an Airbnb in Austin to watch Rice in Hawaii at 11 p.m. on a Saturday night. That's funny because I remember that game because I had stadium pulled up on my computer and I'm scrolling through the schedule and I can't find it. And I'm like, and so it's getting up like right up to game time. And I'm like, why can I not find this game? And I'm like freaking out. And then I finally realized that it's on the app only and you can't view it online. So I then had to like plug it into my app and then simulcast it to my TV. Hopefully uh, those days are over, guys. <laughs> Hopefully. I have I can cancel my CUSA TV. Yeah, man. Save that money. <laughs> free, yourself from, free yourself from the shackles. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm going to so go bad. shackle myself to ESPN, but I feel like I'm already shackled to ESPN. Yeah, I mean, that was no avoiding that, so. Man, all these revelations. Is there anything while we're on the, the subject that you're going to miss about Conference USA? Uh, probably not. I'm not going to lie to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm contractually obligated to ask the question. I feel like down to the length of the pause, that would have been my exact answer. (laughs) (laughs) The most exciting thing for Charlotte fans is having an in-state rival in the conference with East Carolina. Uh, That's the game. First game is in Greenville this year. There's, I mean, any Charlotte fans I know have either already booked their travel or doing it as we speak right now for that game. Um, And then when they come to Charlotte next year, It'll probably sell the most tickets to record or to date other than maybe an App State game. But that's there's a lot of excitement in that. And then, I mean, the best conference USA teams there are moving to the American, right? That's what I'm that's what I'm seeing. So, yeah, Charlotte and Rice. Yeah, that's why. Bingo, man. <laughs> yep, that's, yep. Same thing. No, that's where you're to, going, right? To question or interrogate that take any further at all. <laughs> 
Well, I, I do think it's it's interesting, and, and we've kind of talked about this a little bit, because we're going from both schools, Rice and Charlotte, going from one generically named conference that spans a large geographic area to another generically named conference that spans a large geographic area. But at, at some point, and, and maybe it's In 10 years, just, we're I, going to the Patriot League, boys. Ooh, Let's go. I was trying to... I was thinking that we we're going to have a new like a national conference. I don't that's going to emerge from something. We have American. We need national, right? Seems to be the logical progression. I don't know. But but at the same point for Rice, maybe it's the familiarity with some of the teams that they already had history with. Uh, Charlotte, I guess less of a history since they're they're newer uh, other than ECU big selling points on you know on the Charlotte side of, of the move to the American and and what the uh, the greatest returns are so far I think they're excited about the TV deal uh, the allocation of funds to the program that's not not the worst thing in the world um, I think just the credibility of are you guys calling it power six is that is that moniker still stand we got to get a, with Oresco at Media Days. I don't. He's going to yeah. have to tell us the new marching orders. I don't know. <laughs> so we'll we'll go with that for now. So Power Six, it feels like a step up. There's bigger games, uh, better road trips, or I think better. I don't know yet. I haven't been to any of these places yet, so we'll see. Uh, I did some advanced scouting of Tulane in New Orleans a couple weekends ago, and I can report that uh, I would rather go there than Ruston. Yeah, that checks out, you know. <laughs> so it's uh, and Tulane was really, really good last year. So D- does Rice have Tulane on the schedule so far? Yep. Oh yep. yeah, Charlotte missed them this year, and that's probably not the worst thing for Charlotte. Oh, they also, yeah. Um, as far as selling points, I think I think in recruiting it helps some as well. It's like, all right, we're in this new conference, this more marketable conference. I don't know exactly what it changes. They just slapped the logo on the jersey, um, just covered up the Conference USA with a slightly bigger American one. So we'll we'll see, guys. It's uh I I think all bets are off for Charlotte this season. I'll be totally transparent with y'all. I have no idea what to expect. Like this team could be really good and just come out out of the gates and shock one of these big schools or they could do exactly what Vegas predicts and win three games and I think I would be equally as just you know narrow I don't even know the right word just typical response for either one and it's with after the first year under Healy I think that that roster was so good even if Lambert was retained, they go to a bowl game. And then, so with this, I have no idea because like I say, we're talking 50 new players from all over the country, a mix of some of the returning and a brand new staff. So it's, I, I have no expectations right now. We're, we're just along for the ride. How far do you think you need to get into, uh, well, actually, time out. Pause here. Uh, you mentioned this, and, and I know every program is different. Every head coach is different. But but for programs at, at this level, um, I'll let you opine for a little bit. Media access. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were at the Rice, Charlotte, whatever we called, uh, it's G5, whatever, not SEC, Big Ten level, um, what what do you think is the uh, what's the company line that you've been given on uh, wh- why limiting access is is a good thing for for the program? And uh, I will put my words. I think it's silly. Yeah. I don't think you gain anything as a lower program by not letting people in the door. I mean, like I would be lying to you guys if I said I didn't want to get out there and watch. Um, I think it it sucks going from such an open door policy under Will Healy to close. I, I get why they're, why they're doing it. And if it translates to wins, I think the fan base is fine with it. But in my profession, not professional opinion, my opinion as a reporter, writer, journalist is there's 50 new faces. Let me learn about them and help tell their stories and be able to say, this is what I think is going to happen or put something out for folks to kind of, 
be excited about. Like I say, the main thing right now is the recruiting. It's like, oh, you see a four-star commits. That's great, but let's figure out what they've got going on, what they bring to the table, and how they're going to fit in. Uh, I hope I hope it changes as we get into the summer. I don't think it's going to, uh, but as you as we get closer, hopefully there's more opportunities to to see what's going on. And like I say, I mean, when the person you presume to be the starting quarterback, all you've seen is seven throws. That's why I don't have any expectations. If I had seen more, I mean, I've watched his tape, you know, and you see he didn't play at all at Florida. He played some at Jackson State, then Bethune-Cookman, so I can watch his game, but I just don't know how it's going to translate in this offense and who's going to be the playmakers around him. And that's that's the biggest thing. You mentioned the loss of DuBose, Vic Tucker, and then Elijah Spencer, who was arguably the best receiver on that team last year. All of them are gone. It's brand new, entirely new receiving court. And I think like that's going to be huge as well. And that might be why they run the ball so much because they, you know, <laughs> like yeah. the weapons, the weapons aren't the same. So we'll, we'll see. Um, I'm, I'm ready to see them. And hopefully we'll get like some open scrimmages or something to be able to watch because no, I agree. It, it sucks. And uh, I definitely miss being able to get it out there. Yeah. It's in a, Oh, you, a Carter, I think you got your, your mute on. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where, even at the highest levels of college football, the you understand the impulse that leads coaches to, you know, having everything be closed and secret and all that stuff. But like, I, I really don't think even it, it makes as much of a difference as they, they want to pretend like it does. Like at Pete Carroll at USC in the, in the mid two thousands, like everything was open. And it did not seem to like, I I don't think the reason for the downturn of that program afterwards had anything to do with the fact that like people would come and watch practice and stuff like that. And yeah, Pete's a different guy than most college coaches, but like, like I know like Alabama has not allowed like since the pandemic, when they obviously shut practice observations down, they have not brought anything back. And I think a lot of programs have done similar sorts of things. And it's just, like, fine, if you want to do a limited media viewing period, I, I think that makes sense. Like, I, I think it's pretty easy to justify, like, oh, you know, we want to have some practice periods where no one outside the program is allowed to watch. It makes total sense. But it just, the putting the, like, a whole entire iron curtain up, especially at at this level when you really ought to be doing as much as possible to, like, generate fan and media interest in the program, it's just it just seems silly. At the Alabama level where you got, like, Literally everybody and their mother and the list of credentialed media trying to get in and see everything is so long. Yeah. I I get pulling things back and, and, and you know, having a sanitized media viewing section and, and doing that. But but at this level, I mean, and there's a trust. It's, it's a trust thing, too, with the program and whoever they're letting in. Because I can just say it from a from a Rice perspective, the Rice administration and the Rice Athletic Department is absolutely phenomenal when it comes to access to student athletes and their programs. Uh, and it's fantastic. And I get a, a good amount of leeway with that because there's trust. They know me and I know them and they know I'm not going to go out there and I say, OK, when the left guard lines up in this stance and you have trips to the right, they're going to run a flea flicker. Get ready for it. I think it'll be the second series of the of the game. Like they know I'm not going to put that out there, right. so the coaches don't mind me sitting there. And like a like like a coach that thought through it re- would realize that the media is not going to do that because then access goes away. Yeah, no, it's so. the trust aspect is huge, and I think you have to open the door for trust to be built. You know what I'm saying? And like obviously, I'm not going to tweet out exactly what you're talking about you know this is their exact formations these are their schemes but i think it's more of the player to fan connection at least now and then being able to talk about all the new faces and the new staff Um, one thing they have done is like the actual charlotte football page itself has put out position previews but there is Vanilla as they get, you know, they're not, they don't want to give anything away even to their own fan. Like it's, uh, <laughs> it's, 
Also, like as a practical matter, like how many media members even have the football? Like, you know, we all watch watch a lot of football. We like know a decent amount, but like, I don't have the general expertise. If I expertise, if I were out at practice to give anything, like even if I were like directly a spy on the payroll of another team, I would not have the expertise (laughs) to glean anything that other teams couldn't figure out from watching game film in the first place. Like they can do that analysis from what teams have put on tape better than the vast majority of people who would ever be in a practice would in the first place. Yeah. I think having that access was like one of the strongest points for me of just being able to identify talent and say, all right, like this is a new cat. I think he's going to contribute. And then you can watch, how the rotations come together, stuff like that. Like that aspect is great, but I agree with you completely. The only game plan I'm spoiling is South Carolina States and the opener. After that, they're going to, they're everyone else going to know, you know? Yeah. And um, like I say, I, I hope it, it opens up. And then the main reason for that is just to get acquainted with the players and the staff and build those connections going into year one. Um, be, being a freelance writer, it was, it's a ton of fun to go out there and be with, like, under Will Healy, I mean, dude, you would see some of the funniest stuff you will see in a week at a Tuesday practice because he's a goofball. And the that's how their practice was. It was very, I mean, like, if they lost, obviously it's different, but it's, it's a lot of energy. It's a lot of fun. Um, and so things like that. And with the Charlotte media, there's, really maybe three or four people max that are going to come to these. It's not like it's going to be, I mean, the first practice you might have 10 or 15 because the TV cameras are going to be there. They want the eyes, they want Pogey, they want the quarterback and some of the defensive players. But when you get to just a regular Wednesday practice going through training camp, it might be me and two other people. And that's that's what I think about the trust aspect of this. It's like, all right, I hope we can get to a point where it's available and you guys know I'm not going to just sell all your secrets for 100 retweets on Twitter. Because <laughs> I don't care. I just want to watch football. <laughs> this is my official Biff. Is this on Biff? Biff, Earth to Biff. Uh, this is my official petition for Hunter. Let him in so that he can... Uh, he can tell stories about your players and bring more attention to Charlotte because I'm guessing all, there are fun stories. All the head coaches in the American conference listen to this podcast religiously. Every I'm single aware. one. Where So, you know, hopefully we'll get the word across. Hey, if you are a head coach in the American conference and you're listening to this podcast, this is an open invitation to come on the podcast <laughs> and give your official or unofficial opinion on media availability within your program. Maybe this, maybe I have a new bent for media days coming up in a couple of weeks is, uh, what does access look like in your program and why? Hey, that's a great question. I like Thanks. this. It's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I got to take up, we're, we're, we're making new friends. I got to take, take up a bat for my old friends and, and make sure that we all get to actually <laughs> do our jobs, a revolutionary concept. Uh, sorry. I didn't know I was going to go on a rant on that today but it needed a little mini rant it needed to be said i'm needed to be said i'm i'm on there too okay charlotte we talked offense we talked defense we talked expectations we talked aac uh is there anything else that we need to know about the program right now or are they just kind of hibernating until we go out and throw stuff on the wall i think the biggest thing right now is um they announced the evergreen master plan with the stadium expansion uh, when i spoke to healy so is it called that, sorry is it called the evergreen master plan this I'm sounds sure. like a hedge fund manager has invented something yeah <laughs> i'm pretty sure that's the title uh, they they put out the master plan you know i thought i was in to the point where like i would get like a head nod or a wink like hey you should be by your computer today like we're about to drop something gigantic but uh, I was like three margaritas deep at the beach on vacation and uh, got a text like, hey, you should probably get on Twitter. Yep. 
Uh, I can't write the story right now, guys, but I'll get to it. Uh, so that that rolled out, I guess that was about a year ago now. Um, what I was told was funding is about halfway. And that was that was a while ago. I don't know. They they won't talk about it. It's very tight lipped. Um, there's been rumors about potentially playing at Bank of America Stadium in the interim while the additions to Jerry Richardson Stadium are completed. And I think that would be a lot of fun playing an NFL stadium, um, especially for maybe some of the bigger games like they host North Carolina. I think it's next year. Um, there's, so there are some fun, bigger crowd games that will be coming, coming to Richardson Stadium. Uh, but the goal right now is to get to 30,000 seats. So hopefully you're going from the, the smallest stadium FBS to somewhere closest, closer to the bigger stadium, biggest stadium, not too much, but uh, getting to 30,000 seats. And they, I mean, they've had some sellouts, uh, Charlotte. And like, I think a lot of different places can say this. There's a lot to do in Charlotte on a Saturday. So if you play a boring brand of football, or you're not very good. There's not going to be many people that come, especially with a program that doesn't have a ton of tradition and is only 11 years old. And I think that's been sort of the struggle. One great new thing is there's going to be a, like a student tailgate area. Um, it's this huge project that they're working on. And I graduated from Charlotte in 2020 and we were tailgating in a parking lot. So uh, they've come a long way for that. Happy for those guys. I'm a little jealous. I'm not going to lie, but uh Tailgating scene is improving. They still have Normulence, who's kind of the staple of tailgating right now, if you guys have ever seen them on Twitter. Uh, general excitement is up for the program. I think everyone's excited to see what this team looks like in the spring game, like I say, was a little taste. Uh, but we're all kind of waiting for August and September to roll around to see these new faces trot out on the field and sling the ball around. So excitement is high. Recruiting is good. We'll see what comes of it. It's a, it's a lot of question marks and hopefully we'll get some answers here pretty soon. It's interesting. You got me thinking because Charlotte is as a program has not been around that long, but the list of big schools, I mean, local area schools that have been and played at Charlotte is uh, Duke played there, Virginia Tech played there, North Carolina's playing there. I'm trying to think, like, I guess, well, Rice hosted Baylor and Wake, and that would have been 2019. So I guess that hadn't been that terribly long ago that Rice has had a sizable program come near. But I just think, like, every time they play Texas, it's an NRG LSU is it NRG? Rice much opens, more fun. Rice opens with Texas, don't they? At Texas, mm-hmm. yeah, in Austin. You'll get to catch up with Eric Henry. That's uh, yeah, that'll be fun. He pulled that one on me. Oh. I, I told him as a as a, someone who graduated from another school in the state, I'm going to have to hold that against him <laughs> for quite some time. <laughs> But yeah, it'll be good. We'll we'll have to get him on, on him on in a couple of weeks. Uh, man, now I'm thinking about uh, Texas and other opponent scheduling stuff, and I've completely lost my train of thought. I will say one thing: Charlotte just scheduled a game at Ohio State for like 2031, and I can't even think about that. It's like, how do we? How do you schedule that far ahead? Like, will there even be football then? You know. <laughs> I was going through recently and I forgot and I haven't even looked at this for Rice recently because I forget how far out we they we've got them scheduled. I'm I'm sure it's it's I think it's Northwestern or Boise in like twenty thirty one. Yeah. But I forgot that like like uh I was I was looking at this because it was like what what years did they have the non conference game scheduled as the SEC Dithers about going eight or nine games. I forgot that Alabama had some that were scheduled. Oh, like tw- 2035. 2035. Yeah. And it's like, I am going to be 45 years old. <laughs> yeah. I am not, I am less than a third of the way into my 30s at this point. And they've got a game scheduled for my 45th birthday. <laughs> like, what even? Yeah. College football, man. 
Big business. Oh, man. As the aside, I got my train back on the track, and something you said did stick out to me. And I was thinking, this is kind of the na- along the natural progression of the high point of emotions for all programs who have hired a new head coach. Like, we're right in the sweet spot right now, this June, July, August run-up, because I feel like when, when you hire the new ho- head coach, there's a portion of the fan base that is like, yeah, new, change, it's great. And then there's another portion of the fan base is like, Regardless of who it is, I don't know about this guy. But after it's been like six, eight months in the incubator, everybody's like, I don't care. Let's let's do it. (laughs) So now we're at the point where like you got everybody united. Everybody's happy. And then as soon as they hit the field, then the bickering starts again of what needs to be fixed. But right now. (laughs) Dreams could be crushed by week three, man. But right now we're excited, you know, (laughs) and it's uh, (laughs) that's. That kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier about the social media aspect. I think the fan base is the most excited and engaged they've been since the 5-0 run uh, at the end of Healy's first season. And it's uh, Apparently there's an HBO documentary in the works. There's been some details about that, I guess, checking back in with Poji now. Because like I said, a lot of the players are the same. Uh, from the cost of winning one that they did back in 2019 or 2020. Uh, so there's there's a lot of eyes on the program, and hopefully hopefully it continues to to go smoothly because it's uh we're in that 80 90 days away. So you're exactly right. Everyone's excited, and I'm just ready to see people hit each other on on the football field again. I mean, man, we'll get there. But uh, before we let you go, as we do with everybody, we got to run them through the lightning round. And I believe we put you through this last year. And I know we had a couple interesting answers, and we always do. We have uh, what is, is the uh, Oscar Cardenas Memorial Award trophy is, is in there. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to that one. We're starting. <laughs> we're starting. Eventually, I feel like the goal should be to have all of these awards named or all of these questions named in honor of a of a. Uh, American player, but uh, yeah, I like we, we got one at least. Oh, this is good. We could get there. We we got time. Well, I say that. Who knows who is going to be in what conference by the time you're celebrating your 45th birthday and Rice is playing Boise? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Rice and Boise will be in a conference. Yeah, there's like a non-zero chance that Rice is in the Mountain West they've, in the next they've... 20 years. Yeah. I th- I think Rice and Boise were in the same. Uh, was Boise were they both in the whack? They were both in the whack. Yeah, I think. We'll see. We're gonna do that while 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 we're researching blue turf history. <laughs> Active fact. Uh, we'll uh, open things up, so we'll we'll toss it to you. And I would say this is usually the softball question because people are aware who is on their team. And uh, how often they're going to be playing. But this might be more difficult. But we're giving it to you anyways. Uh, who's going to lead the team in touchdowns for Charlotte in 2023? Ooh, I'm going to go with Shadrick Bird. Uh, he is a returning name. You guys might know know of him, number 13. Uh, I think he'll probably be the lead back, at least to start. Uh, he had a great showing in the spring game. Very consistent for them last year. And if the big bodies on the offensive line do their thing, I think if they're going to stick to running the ball, it's it's going to be Shadrick Bird. Or I think Darrell Robinson could be a close second unless he just completely takes over. But I would go with Shadrick. All right. Other side of the ball, defense. Who's going to lead the team in sacks? I'm going to put my money on, on Stone Handy. Um, there's a lot of talk about Yabi Oki. I mentioned him earlier. I haven't seen his game yet, but what I have seen from Stone Handy last year and a little bit that I saw in the spring game, he's pretty good. And uh, he's also on the All Names team. Uh, that sounds like a Madden Ultimate card from like 2004, 2005 days. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Maybe I'll have to put it aside when uh, a AAC All Names team will start uh, collaboratively putting that together by the time we get to August. Um, Back to Charlotte this year, a player that is not going to be on a preseason all-conference list, but you think he should be. Demetrius Knight uh, transferred in from Georgia Tech. 
uh, I think he's a it's either a fourth year or fifth year. Plays linebacker. Um, he is what I've seen of him. He is unbelievably fast to the ball and has at least gr- a great first step so far. I want to watch more of his game, but the players that I have talked to uh, refer to him as the bug that you just can't get rid of. Uh, so a gnat flying around to the ball every play. So I'm excited to watch kind of what what his game is like. He was mainly a special teams guy at Georgia Tech, but it's uh it sounds like he's been making a lot of one-handed interceptions in practice and I'm I would like to see that. That would be fun to watch. So we'll go with him. I know this is kind of like this is an unwritten rule and this is a complete aside of all conference selections, but barring like something like completely like Caleb Williams-esque like is it generally just like you're not allowed to put a transfer on an all-conference list are we moving past that because I feel like that's basically like normative still is that fair even if they're clearly good enough at this point it just kind of feels like well with Charlotte I mean we're talking half the team is a transfer so it's you know it's uh I think I think it's kind of normal now. You, if you've got tape on them prior, maybe at a bigger school or something like that, might as well throw them on, see if it sticks. So I'm thinking through. I was going through my uh, all uh, my all conference ballot. I think it would have been maybe 2021 for, and I was trying to find quarterbacks. In Conference USA. And this was before like the Zappy breakout. Frank Harris wasn't a thing yet. Going through the list of all the quarterbacks. And I was like, I think Chris Reynolds might have been like one of the like one or two names that like had been decent at the collegiate level ever. And Luke McCaffrey had transferred to Rice. And I was just like, you know, like by process of elimination, Luke McCaffrey is the most talented player that's going to play quarterback in this conference next year. And I don't know if he's going to be good, but he's worthy of a third team all conference pick at this point. (laughs) Didn't work out a quarterback, but he's a pretty good receiver. Half credit. Yeah. All right. Um, Speaking of Luke McCaffrey, maybe, maybe not. Um, AAC player that you're going to enjoy watching this year. Non Charlotte division. Oof. That's a great question, man. There's a lot of a lot of talent. Uh, I don't have a great answer for you. I'm not gonna lie. I am excited just to like I didn't pay a ton of attention to the American when you're locked in on Conference USA. It's any given Saturday in Conference USA. Uh, I think with so many was five other teams moving over. I'm just going to stick with what I know and go with Frank Harris. I'm glad he's back. I think UTSA will be fun to watch. Um, Again, they might mess around and win the league. I don't know. So just go with what I know. (laughs) This is a good answer. I think my biggest like aha Frank Harris moment where I officially decided that I had to stop doubting the man because at some point he was still the guy who like for three years couldn't like complete accurate passes and was never healthy. And mm-hmm. that was just my priors on him. And then it's I remember when he came the from... way people talk about him now as the, that he was uh, with all apologies and uh, respect to Frank, the way that he was sort of a punchline for us for a couple of years that just like, yeah, Frank Harris is back. Don't know if that's good or bad for them, but now everybody's like, Oh man, Frank Harris. And it's like, Good for him. Like, was it like Noel uh, uh, Narcisse? Was that what was his? Uh, uh, yeah, Lowell Narcisse. Uh, yeah, LSU, LSU transfer. transfer, like playing over him at one point, like mm-hmm. couldn't complete a forward pass, but could run. And like, yeah. But anyhow, so the Frank Harris, it was like nasty and gross and raining and windy and atrocious when UTSA came to Rice. And I was like, well. You know, maybe Frank Harris is not going to be able to throw for, you know, 300 yards and five touchdowns because it's so gross. And I think he ran for, what, three scores and 120 yards and only had, like, two passing touchdowns or something. Uh, video game numbers, man. He's good. Um, 
back to Charlotte, rookie of the year, newcomer, do with this, be as broad as you like. I think Darrell Robinson is probably a shoo-in for this. Uh, so it's like the third or fourth mention. Uh, I'm pretty sure in the spring game, he had like eight carries for like negative six yards. So his stat line wasn't great. But I can attest that every single play he touched the ball, he got hit immediately in the backfield. And uh, so we'll probably go with him. I think once they actually put the offensive line all the way together and get some, they didn't, that was the most vanilla game plan I've ever seen for a spring game. And I've only, I mean, I've seen some different spring games, obviously under Healy and Lambert and then what I see on ESPN, but they had two coverages on defense and they ran two formations on offense. And that was it. It was like, Hey, we're not going to give you guys anything, but here are the players. <laughs> and, uh, Biff, so it, it's not going to be your I downfall. Thought, I promise you. They did the, uh, the most vanilla game plan for a spring game is a high bar to clear, but that sounds. Wow. It, it wasn't much. They didn't. I mean, all they talked about, like I say, is the big 10. And what I think of big they 10 played is more than two coverages in the big 10. That's what I hear. Brian Smith uh, would know. <laughs> What I what I think when I think of Big Ten is twenty two personnel. Bring the big guys out on the field. Get some tight ends in there. Let's let's run some counter and some power. Yeah, was, but uh, Nebraska's in the Big Ten now. Like you can't run. You know, at least give me some. Uh, I don't know. Little I form triple option. Spice things up a little bit. I think I think that's what they're gonna do. Is they're gonna bring the big boys out and run a lot of twenty two. Uh, we'll see. You know. So for now. For now, I'll go with Darrell Robinson, but I think when he gets to run in north to south, he has ridiculous breakaway speed, and that he could be a problem uh, when when they get the big guys on the field. All right, then big picture conference stuff. I won't let you pit Charlotte, but uh, who's going to win the AAC this season? It's hard not to go with Tulane after what they did last year. Um. Like I said earlier, I also wouldn't be shocked if UTSA won. Um, just because I feel like they've been dominant for so long and you're basically taking half the conference and throwing it in with now a conference that doesn't have a true... I mean, the, a lot of the big dogs are gone, so I would I'd say Tulane or UTSA. I'm looking now because those have been probably the most common answers. Do, do Tulane and... Uh... UTSA play this season? Where's my roster? They do. Ooh, final week of the regular season. Yeah, that'll be fun. That was a, that was a good job. That was Tulane. a good job by the scheduling office. Man, the league office. They might be onto something. Competent, right, and then, the competent league office. What's that going to be like? For the most part, I'll give this one. I I, I got. I'll give one aside. the uh, The CUSA League office as a whole, uh, pretty pretty solid. They had some good people there. Uh, the commissioner and the way they interfaced publicly with the media. Uh, I'll never forgive the. Was it the 2018 season where they uh, revealed the tiebreakers for the conference championship game? And the second to last week of the year. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> it was the like real, realizing this might be relevant. So, oh god, oh god, we have to figure out, figure something out. Yeah, they literally released whether or not how it was not going to be a coin flip, like the Tuesday before the games or something. They'll never let that one down. That was Solid. bad. All right. Um, other side of the ball, other side of the spectrum, maybe. Uh, last one, surprise team. In the American this year. Great question. I think. I've heard decent things about East Carolina. I don't know how good they will be. So again, I'm going to go with the Conference USA team. And I'll just go with FAU. I think they can only kind of go up. So we'll rock, we'll rock with them. Boca Raton's fun. So maybe I'll get some. Love from their fan base because you know how they are. <laughs> <laughs> We're bringing the hate. 
with us to the American. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah, we're 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 putting putting together a pretty decent collection of of like somewhat ordinary fan bases. I'm in, man. The as more as no one goes, as long as no one goes full UCF, and we're just you know uh, maintain a a decent level of um you know of 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 good natured sniping at each other. Yeah, we're gonna have a good time. So far, I think we've enjoyed most of the folks that we've gotten to meet to meet with the uh, the new new conference and new affiliations. And uh, obviously, we like you. You're back, Hunter. You made the cut, both in the American and on the Roost Pod. Oh, by the way, when I pulled a number out of the hat randomly and guessed how many numbers we had done, this is 147. So well done. There's a Rice podcast numbers and stuff. 47 episodes. Yeah. And you guys are you guys are on it. As I started the Highway 49 podcast, I think we're at like 39. And there's some weeks where I'm like, man, do I really want to edit this right now? So, so props to y'all. I'll clap it up for you guys. Well, good props I to Carter that. for doing all the legwork. I'm the pretty face on the faceless medium. It was a uh, it was a big step for me to realize that the difference in quality between going through the whole uh, file with a fine tooth comb and cutting out every um and slightly longer pause and all that stuff uh, led to very little improvement in overall quality and just uh, now I got things down to a pretty 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 quick thing so it's not. Uh, it's a, it, it has definitely become a work smarter, not harder type of thing. Which, hey, it's a rice podcast, so that you know that fits. Thumbs per minute decreased by two every forty-five episodes. <laughs> that's that's what I've been told. Yeah, but uh, I'll take yeah. it. Man. Uh, thanks for listening with us, y'all. We'll wrap up now before we uh, any further podcast shop talk happens on air. Uh, but thanks for for Hunter to come for coming back with us. Uh, Good to be uh, continuing our our seeing our friendly faces here in the in the new conference. But uh, thanks to y'all for sticking with us. Hopefully, uh, you're enjoying this series as we go through for a, yet another summer of this. And uh, we'll see y'all back next week. And rice fight. This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.